So, and here we go tonight. Um, tonight for the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod, we have Kyle Kettner on. Kyle is the sporting director for, or the general manager, basically, of Sporting Arizona. Is that correct? Uh, director of operations. Our general manager, CEO, president, owner, all of that is Tim Marchesoto, and I won't take any of that away from him. Okay. And then Team 6, you do media for Team 6 as well, correct? Yeah, the 6v6 right? Team USA. And Kyle, and I've known Kyle off Twitter for a couple of years. Kyle's an amazing, amazing guy. He filled in at the last minute, just no questions asked after uh, the primary person, I think, had was stuck taking his kids to the movie theater. Backup got sick the last two nights, and Kyle's like, yeah, I'll help you out. I got you. So appreciate well, you coming amazing, on. Then the person you wanted originally must be unbelievable. Uh, the, the the original one I will leave nameless for now because I'm still hoping to get him on. We, I I'm wanted so to go amazing. The, I'm so amazing. I was available last minute. No, I wanted to talk about the Chicago Fire because that's starting to warm up again, and that's going to be where I go with that eventually. You have fires out there? No, the, the team, <laughs> the Major what League team? Soccer team, the Chicago Fire. I'm sorry, I don't follow. Yeah, exactly. Neither do that. Neither do anybody else now. Um, the MLS team. What about MLS? Yeah. I suppose you, they kind of are off your radar, aren't they, with nowadays? Oh, <laughs> God, you burned me. Oh, wow. That's dad humor if I've ever heard it. All right, yeah. so all right, so we sitting in, we're just sitting and having a drink, like I always say. It's just bar talk or whatever. And so first question for you, Kyle, is what are you drinking tonight? Well, you know, I had everybody over to my house around Christmas, and I had I bought a lot of Heineken because that's one thing the entire family agrees on. And so I have some left over, and I'm not mad about it. No, I I can't say I can't necessarily say I blame you on that one. It's um, I think I, for me it was Budweiser. I had a bunch of that in the fridge for a while, and I've been consuming that. But um, I decided to step up my game this week. I I went to Stopped at the liquor store the other day, and they had Hop Slam, which only comes out about once a year. And so I picked. Oh up yeah. Snack. Yep. Where's that one out of? It's Bell. It's Bell's. So it's out of Michigan. Um, Hop Slam. It's. I want to say, for lack of a better term, it's legendary. People camp used to camp out for it. It's a double IPA. It's ten percent. It's amazing. Ooh. Uh, it's. I always. I, I always like to compare it to like, if if you've been in Wisconsin before, then uh, I compare it to Spotted Cow. Or like a Cuban cigar. It's amazing. Is it as good as everybody always says it is? Yeah. Probably a little <laughs> on the over, probably on the overrated side. But the thing was is Hop Slam was the original, like the double IPAs and whatever. Now there's so many good microbreweries and small breweries that can do this level of IPA with that much flavor. But they were they were kind of the original. So Bell's Hop Slam for me tonight. So at the end, ten percent, this could become interesting. So I did spend an entire summer of college in Wisconsin, but I was 19. I was working 80 hours a week, and the uh, the micro brew craze hadn't really set in. I mean, I mean, obviously there's a there were a few out there, but it wasn't as widely available as it is now. You know. Yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> when I trust me, I grew like I said, you, those who know me know I grew up 30 minutes west of Milwaukee, so I grew up there. And you know, there there were of the houses on the top of the hill I lived on. There were let's see, six six or seven of them. 
I think we had four of them had somebody working for Miller Brewing down at right across from County State, Old County Stadium, now Miller Park. Uh, Soon to be be what American Family Insurance Stadium or whatever. But so anyway, long story short is we always there's always Miller products around. They'd always be bringing it home. I remember getting when I did hit legal drinking age, being able to try like various beers that never hit the market, such as like Miller High Life Ice or something like that. Well, that's so, interesting. Well, this was, I mean, one of our neighbors three doors down, he was a third shift electrician. I'm pretty sure they were drinking on the job then, you know, that kind of thing. That's how far back, 70s, 80s, not, you know, early 90s and that kind of thing before that was kind of frowned upon. So many years how of... Else do you get the, how, is, how else do you get through it, though? That's true. I mean... I'd be curious. I'd be curious how hard it is, and I sh- the one I should ask is my brother-in-law about that because he he works for um, well, he works for a brewery in the south in Beverly, which is outside of Chicago, and um, for Horse Thief Hollow, he's like the assistant brewmaster. He, he's one of the brewers, and how does he make it through without drinking? I have no idea. So, <laughs> well, big props to those guys. Yeah, no quit. And there's no there's a reason why they do it. And, you, and what I've learned from him is. It really is a kind of an art form, the different things they do. He's like, yeah, I was trying this flavor and this flavor, and it worked. And, like, his, a couple of his recipes have been up in the, the gold, you know, the gold medal conven- brewery convention in Colorado or whatever every year. So props to him. But um, tonight, like I said, we're doing some Hop Slam tonight. So, and got to know you when you were, I think you were still writing for, what, the, was it Indomitable Lions or whatever, Indomitable City Lions? When you're writing for doing some writing, so, then? I want to say it was even earlier than that. Back when I think you probably latched on because you used to live. We were talking about this before. You you used to live right across from Peoria Sports Complex, where Arizona United played in years one and three. Mm-hmm. That's and right. back in the back in that first year, I was writing for a blog called uh, Reckless Challenge. That's right. And um, sort of moved into a manager role of that blog with uh, with JC and with uh, Josh Beeman. And then we decided we wanted to start a blog that would go up on SB Nation so we could preach the USL gospel on SB Nation. And right about that time was when uh, Sacramento Republic was getting all of the uh, – all the not a matter of if but when praise from Don Garber and SB Nation decided they were going to go all in on a, a Republic site and we said that we were the guys to do it and got that off the ground so that was that became indomitable city soccer there we go and then and then you were you were one of the originals on the USL show that I remember I can remember downloading that show and using when I go for a run the original ones and just it was a great. Oh, well, thanks. Oh yeah, it, it was. It was always fun. It was you guys. You guys seemed to have some great information. You guys knew the. <laughs> you were preaching the USL. Co- <laughs> you were one of the originals preaching, and now it seems like. Now I feel like a lot of people are, but it's if you guys weren't doing the doing the dirty work early on, you're not going to get there. And then, um. But yeah, I think you're. You might be right. I think it. I think it was does go back to Arizona United and when they were playing at the sports complex, and then they their year in um, Scottsdale and then back at the last minute to the sports complex and now Phoenix rising. So 
How much, how much, how, how awesome is that? I mean, you, you, you were there from the beginning. How awesome is that to see it? You know, and I honestly thought that second year, the year they were in Scottsdale when they were, um, I thought they were going to take off and then it kind of fell flat. Is that something, do you know what happened on that? I I don't know if I ever found, figured that out or is there kind of a lot of things you don't talk about or how does that kind of. (laughs) Well, so in year two, you know, Kyle Ng owned the team then. Mm-hmm. And in year two, he signed the deal at Scottsdale Stadium, which was awesome. It was centrally located. Um, had a great turnout for the first couple of matches there. Um, team wasn't as wasn't doing as well as 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 we'd hoped, and you know, um, attendance started to fall off again. But what was what was really notable was that um, dealing with the city to rent that facility um, is probably a lot more, a lot more difficult than Kyle let on. And ultimately they just weren't able to stay there for a second season. So um, he had a good relationship with Peoria and the team was back over there for the third year. I don't think there was anything particularly strange or nefarious going on. It's just getting a, getting a lease on a stadium for anything is, is difficult, which is why, you know, leaders at all levels of the sport are, really really a lot more bullish on your chances if you control your your ground so it makes a lot of sense and that's why the phoenix rising plan was all the more exciting because they're going to build and they get to and this was huge and you know if you start to talk about supporter culture and the people who really just really drive uh, where the club goes the ownership of Phoenix Rising was able to sit down and say, okay, what are what are all of your beefs with going to the stadium? And what is what is your ideal experience? And what does that look like? And through a series of a lot of conversations, um, they put together what I think is a, a pretty equitable solution. The, you know, the game day atmosphere at Rising Soccer Complex is really good. And I think the supporters largely are happy with the arrangement they have. And if they ever are not they know where they can go to voice their concerns and that's that's relatively unique in the pro game right now so it's it's pretty cool what they have going and it, and it and it makes me kind of i want to not laugh but it makes me think a little bit because those of us from chicago and our friend you know i've had chicago fire season tickets since 2010 and watching the relationship between section eight and the club disintegrate to what you saw last year. I don't know how much of that you caught with free 101 and it continues into this year. And Nick hack, who is the chairwoman of section eight, she has her work cut out for her to rebuild any sort of relationship. So to see the, to see the relation, the, the club working with the supporters group and seeing that disintegrate when you have it, it's amazing. And it, it just, you hope they don't screw that up that they, they keep with that. I, and I, and I think back to that year, that first year, a couple of years of Arizona United and that, especially the first, it was, it was Carl Wyszynski and man. And uh, was it tan? Was that his name? The forward <laughs> long tan, long tan. And, and that seemed like about all they had on that, in that team that I can remember on that team. It was like, everything went through long, tan, long tan. And Wyszynski had to stand on his head a lot of nights <laughs> back then. Um, he did. Yeah. Carl came in, in uh, year two and that was, and that was the year in Scottsdale. And he was, he had some amazing nights then, um, that I can remember watching. 
and for me it was always great because you know is your dad you have a minivan like i do and it's that's always outstanding is it was great to watch because the kids were in bed it was easy to just relax have a beer and watch some late west coast soccer and it just kind of became a choice from for me being that close to living that close to um peoria sports complex and kind of became that kind of became my west coast team so and once the season rolls i'm sure i'll start doing some recaps or a couple of things that i think about those games and whatever um when we get going but so you, you and i've talked about it a little bit but i'll and i've kind of hinted at it on twitter for those who pay attention to my actual twitter feed which is at tj zaremba is we're going out there for spring break this year and i was surprised when i when it happened but I, we have to be back for, I asked my, my, my illustrious wife, if we could extend a day so we could stay out and see Phoenix rising on March 30th. And she uh. had no problem. She had no problem. She go, oh yeah. I'll take Monday. No problem. <laughs> terrific. Which I, which I was stunned. I honestly am like, Whoa, you'll take an extra day. Out? Okay. Let, and so we're going to, we're going to catch our first Phoenix rising game this, this year. So I'm very, I'm very excited about that. And it was funny. We were actually talking about the the trip itself and what we're planning to do. And her whole thing is she wanted to see, ba- you know, my parents live in Payson, so we'll we'll do that as well. But it was like, I just want to see baseball, spring training games. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that's when everybody breaks camp. But it was kind of funny. It was That was her priority was to see spring training games again. So it takes me back to some good times. But um, I'm one of those weird locals. I, ha- I rarely go to spring training baseball. I like baseball enough. Um <laughs> But I feel like they, I feel like the prices number one are awfully high for, for preseason. I don't know. Even even with, I don't know how many teams are out here now. 14, 15, 16 teams. Yeah. It, it, it seems like, I don't know if they're filling those stadiums or not, but they sure seem to place a, a high value on their product. It, and it's, it's whatever. And it's, and it it depends on the team. Like the Cubs are obviously going to fill no matter what because they're the Cubs. But for and that was, I think, one of the things when I would I met my wife out in Arizona, and she was from the from Chicagoland, so that's why we live here now. But um, that was one of like the first one we had been dating a few months, and it was the first Saturday in of spring training. And she goes, "Hey, do you want to go see a spring training game?" And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> and that was kind of, that was kind of one of those. I'm like, I should probably keep this one. <laughs> You're not going to find many many women that are going to go, "Hey, let's go watch baseball." So that's that pretty was cool. <laughs> so you but got she, to see the old, the old Hoacom, which I can't believe now is a thing. It's hard to believe that the new park, uh, Sloan Park, has been there what, three or four years now. I I have not seen it. The, that was the because it came in after I left the and that the of the spring training parks. The only ones I never saw was I never saw Scottsdale Stadium. Ironically enough, we were talking about it earlier. And then the new ones, which is Sloan Park, and then whatever Talking Stick the the one up in um, what is it, North Scottsdale for the Diamondbacks Salt River and the Rockies, Fields. Salt River Fields. Yep. That's it. So, got to see the other ones. My my favorites are always, my favorite was always Peoria Sports Complex, and then um, because we got engaged after the turkey trot there one year. Uh, I forget what year now. Um, she's gonna kill me if she ever hears this. And then Surprise Stadium. I, we always I always like because I lived in the West Valley. I always was always good about going to West Valley games, but um. You know, and let me let me throw this scenario at you because this is kind of me thinking out of my backside. But um, do do I mean do you watch the NFL? I assume you I assume you do. You've watched enough of it over the years or anything that you can track it. 
I have enough over the years. The Cardinals are tough tough to watch in the NFL in particular that's the last true. couple of years, but, well, but that's yeah, true. I follow. But I feel like Phoenix rising in terms of MLS, they're starting to remind me of the Houston Texans when they came in. It was like, oh, we want this team, we want this team. And Houston just kept their, you know, the NFL at that point. We want LA, we want LA, we're gonna do LA, we're gonna do this. And and Houston just kept and Bob McNair and his group just kept building, getting everything in place and like, hey, we're ready. And I feel like that's the same thing with Phoenix Rising. You see like who's next team? Oh, it's gonna be St. Louis, it's gonna be Sacramento, it's going to be Detroit. And yet Phoenix keeps just getting their package put together better and better and better. And eventually they're going to look and go, hey, this is the 12th largest media market, like the fourth largest city in the country. We may want a team out there. And yeah, I don't. That... They're, they're not going to give up. And there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Phoenix is on Major League Soccer's list. But only they know where each city falls on their list. There's going to be a number of factors, whether they be tangible or intangible, that they're just not talking about. And that's fine. At the end of the day, it's a it's a privately held company, and they're going to go where they want to go. Um, I was telling, telling this to somebody the other day. It's I almost feel bad for them having to make these big decisions out in public where, where, the, where every move, every word, every... Every inkling is scrutinized to the hilt. Um, it's it's fascinating to watch, and I don't envy them at all. No, I I that I agree with it. But they seem to handle everything with just amazing. The ownership group out there, just everything, just with amazing positive attitude. Let's just build what we have, and eventually, if we keep everything going in the direction we're going. We're going to, we'll get MLS out of it. And correct me on this one. I thought I read this somewhere. It was the, the bleachers used when they built the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex. They took them from the 16th, was it 16th hole at, um, at TPC, is this TPC Scottsdale? I no. I took them from, I would say no. I, it sounds really familiar for some reason. Like somebody borrowed stands from the TPC, but I can't remember where or why. Um, I, I believe that bringing in extra stands was a possibility. Uh, but no, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm not. I'm not willing to say yes or no because I. I just don't remember what that's from. It's so I, familiar. I could. I could have sworn I thought I recall that when it was just like, that because they finished the waste management open. They've got all these bleachers. Phoenix Rising is building a complex in like 20 minutes. So, like, hey, we'll take the bleachers. And they took them. <laughs> and that's how the, that was the beginning of the of the soccer complex grounds. Which, <sighs> and I don't know if it's true or not, but if it is, that's legendary. <laughs> and then it's like, that explains some of the atmosphere. Some of the luck of that 16th hole just <laughs> wore off, <laughs> wears off on everybody else. That I, it, and it's, it, 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 it's been electric there since day one. It is a really, really fun time. Um, and I've okay. been to bigger stadiums and sat with bigger crowds, mm-hmm. but it's just a uh, it's just a it's just a neat place to see a game. Like the, the people who show up are are knowledgeable and they they hinge on, on every touch just like you just like you want to see. And the, the supporters go nuts the entire time. Um, 
And what was really fun for me once this past season was to um, to sit in the in the club seats in the suites once. And I met a met a couple of new people there and saw several people um, who I hadn't seen in years. And this was their first um, their first rising game or even their first pro soccer game in Phoenix. And they were like, wow, you know, this is a lot of fun. I can't believe this is great. You know, I didn't even know this was here. And um, just seeing just seeing new people come around to it and see what a blast it is. Uh, that's that's what it's all about. That's when you're really doing something right. Uh, you know, you could you could bring you could bring MLS to town and like ratchet up the excitement another notch and bring 70,000 people out of the woodwork, as it might seem in, in Atlanta. But those people are around waiting for something good to go see. And the word of mouth here has uh, brought people out in droves, and it's cool. And uh, that I that I've watched, and that that seems to be, and and it seems like okay, last year was an you know USL final, and you know USL Cup final, and heartbreak in Louisville, and at some small little complex. But it, to me, I and I and watching most of those games, I agree. It, it was seeing the atmosphere. And seeing everybody buying in and watching think media outlets in Arizona that you wouldn't expect to cover them regularly, like the Arizona AZ Central, to see it featuring beyond just being Didier Drogba's team. It stopped being just Didier Drogba's team. It started being more than that. And watching that and watching, you know, and AZ Central, I always use as a good benchmark, was pretty, was outstanding. And and having lived in Phoenix, I can tell you, it. Phoenix, it gets a bad rap because everybody always, you get so many transplants out in Arizona, so everybody's a fan of somebody else when they come out there. Yeah. But it is a good sports town when the, you know, like, kind of like any town. When you're winning, they're they're there. They are there. When the Cardinals were good, you know, that place was packed. Um, Whatever, U.S. Airways Arena or whatever they call it now, that was full when the Suns were good back in the Steve Nash and... Mike D'Antoni, in, um, let's score 150 points a game. Team was there, and some good teams. There they were, they, and I, that's when that those were the, that was when I lived out there. The year I deployed was the I can remember watching the Cardinal Super Bowl at a bar in Manhattan, Kansas. Oh wow, yeah, <laughs> right outside Fort yeah Fort Riley. There's nothing better to do, so we went to Manhattan to watch the Super Bowl, and I was the only one in the bar wearing anything Cardinals. I was wearing a Cardinals T-shirt. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, that's not surprising out there, but were there any Steeler fans in there? Yeah, it was wall-to-wall Steeler fans. Oh, my goodness. They're everywhere. They, oh, they gave me the business. Oh, I got the business. There, aren't there bars out there that are like Steeler bars, if I oh, remember yeah. right? Oh, yeah. There's Packer... I mean, because I know Casey Jones on Thunderbird. I want to say about 51st and Thunderbird, or it might be 43rd and Thunderbird, give or take. That was a uh, that was a Packer bar. <laughs> funny, I knew that growing up in Wisconsin, right? Well, it's funny. But, just just a half mile up the street from where I grew up, there there was a restaurant. Then it moved a half mile away, but this place is called the Iowa Cafe, and we get a lot of winter visitors to this part of the world, as you know. Oh, and yeah. man, there is not a seat to be had there any day of the week. It's just full of people from Iowa, and they've got um, they've got Iowa gear just wall to wall, and it was really fascinating for me to see. So, so there's that, and then yeah, like you mentioned, there's a there's a bar for for every 
almost every NFL team that's that's worth a flip. And then <laughs> and then you know this is this is what comes up every time somebody wants to tell me that that any anybody running a pro soccer team should have no problem drawing the the Hispanic crowd out if they just know what they're doing. And that's not necessarily true because you know they're just like if, if you're coming if you're coming from Mexico or Central America or South America or whatever like you you're just like anybody else if you've already got a team then and you're living here and you have a TV or whatever like you're no different from a Packer fan or a Bears fan or a Steelers fan living in Phoenix are you going to come out and watch Phoenix Rising unless you've got a really compelling reason to do so if you're already planning on watching Tigres or America today maybe not so you've got to you've got to reach Everybody, it doesn't matter where they're from, whether they grew up with the game or not. You know, the Cardinals aren't going to bring people in automatically just because somebody grew up watching football. If they've got a team, they've got a team. So, no, it, it, but I, I love, I love the point of that. Just that the Phoenix Rising seemed to have, seems to have tapped into that with everybody. And I don't know if they're, you know, maybe it's not your first team, but hey, they. And their their location, and I'll say their location is something with the with the valley as spread out as, as it is. For when I lived in West Valley, that to be honest, that stadium would be a pain in the butt to get to. But I'd absolutely go in a heartbeat. Compare, especially compared, you know, when I lived in West Valley, I think I had an apartment on 59th and Thunderbird, give or take, just west of ASU West, and then the other one, like I said, 83rd, and the last one was 83rd, and it was off 83rd Avenue, and. Yeah. So, so getting all the way out there, it, it's not going to be easy for me. And and I, I will gripe about that where where people always talk about like with the Chicago Fire, they'll say, "Oh, Bridgeview is terrible. They got to go back in the city and go look, play in the city." I, I drive. Going in the city of Chicago sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But Phoenix Rising Sport Soccer Complex is right. What it's right off the two hundred two. I mean, it's right off the freeway. It is easy to get to. Its location, it's right, it's what, just west of Tempe? Is that correct? Or is it in Tempe, uh, it's technically? Just, it's, just, it's just northeast of downtown Tempe. The address is Scottsdale. But since but, it's on the since it's on the uh, Salt River, uh, Salt River, Piva, Maricopa Indian community, mm-hmm. um, it's got a Scottsdale address. Isn't it right? And it's right by Sloan Park, isn't it? We were talking it's about, about it's about two and a half, three miles. Okay, so it's not. I mean, it's not far from there. But that they do, they do college. They they tapped into the college market. I thought it was what the dollar beer nights, the college free if you have a college ID, and you've got a Arizona State, you've got Grand Canyon. I mean, you've got you know a couple of schools there, and I'm guessing Glendale Community College would work as well. I took a class there, and just be like, come on out and dollar beer and blackout the when they bring bring out the black shirts and it'd be two dollar beer night or something like that i'm like there was always some sort of promotion where i'm like it just sounds like a fun place to be and i that that's why it continues to amaze me as to um what they're doing out there and like i said the, to me they're like the houston texas they've got everything ready and eventually don garber and the rest of them are gonna go yep they're up so that that i my guess is they they may not be the next one. I, I think St. Louis is, but I think they're right after it. I think they are. I still think they're ahead of Sacramento, which will upset the soccer Twitterini and that, you know, Sacramento's the darling. And I like watching Sacramento Republic games. They, th- their crowds are amazing. But I, I feel like Phoenix Rising wasn't built with the promise of MLS. It was built on 
we're we're just going to put together a whole lot of fun and become infectious. Well, and, what was interesting is that they, um, the current ownership bought in with fully with the intention of going to MLS, but but before anybody here thought it was in the cards at all. So that was that was really brave. Um, they had they had no real indication that the league was looking in this direction at all. As a matter of fact, I, I vividly remember having a conversation with with my friends uh, Kyle Mankey and Aaron Marvel in San Antonio when when they first came into the league and telling them all the reasons why Phoenix would never be an MLS and why we were a okay with it. And and all of a sudden, these guys showed up and said, "Well, we're just going to do it." And overnight, they put up the stadium and tried to tried and succeeded to do a lot of what Sac Republic had already done well and you know just kicked it up a notch by saying hey we've got some we've got private money and private land and it's uh it's pretty much ready to go when you are so that was really uh really exciting but now like and you know we already mentioned it I've spent what three or four years around the Sacramento Republic fans now and I have a I have a vested interest in their uh, in their success, and it's the news yesterday that they got their their whale, their big investor. That was pretty exciting, and I to be honest, I'd be a little put off if they don't end up getting in at some point. I I, I feel like Sacramento Republic, and I and I don't mean this in a negative. It reminds me of Rochester. It was like they were so good for so long, and then it's some. And I hope it doesn't go the way of Rochester because that would be awful. That they eventually go, we've done everything you want. What else do you want from us? Ah, we're not interested. But no, I, I, you know, I, you keep hearing number thirty-two, and I think that's the number MLS will stop with. I, I think Phoenix Rising will be one of them. I think Sacramento Republic will be another one. I think St. Louis will be another one. And then beyond that, I don't know. Um, in fact, I'm friends with Ben Ben Geshorn from uh, Charlotte, who's a Charlotte Independence with Talking yep. Jacks. I, I'd say, hey, Charlotte's it. And I hope for them it is. It, beyond that, and because I, I do like a lot of the people from Detroit City, and they would all say, screw MLS, then for them, I hope MLS never shows up and they're happy with what they with, with their with their team, which is the stuff they do is amazing work out there as well. But yeah. Kind of, so I don't know. Like I said, it's it's fascinating. It, to me, it's all amazing. And like I said, I'm I'm excited to come out there and get to see a game and get to meet half the people that I am friends with on Twitter that are, are part of that that group. That that'll be half the fun for me. And then having my son who has yet to find a soccer game he doesn't like to watch as long as Dad's watching it. Good. Yeah. Well, Sam and Jose and Heber and all those guys will be glad to see you. Well, and you know, and and because Phoenix Rising wears red, he'll be okay. And I and I think it's the Colorado. I think it's Colorado switchbacks that night, and which is okay. And the reason why it's okay is because if they wore blue, he'd cheer for the team in blue. He, my son is, if they're blue, he's cheering for them. Except except against the Fire, it's the only team that if you wear blue, you, you're still secondary. <laughs> Life, the mind of a six year old is awesome that way. So yeah, absolutely. So we're well, gonna switch a- gear. Go ahead. That's a low key. That's a low key rivalry game for them. So uh, you picked a good night, anyways. So and hopefully they'll have a good beer special that night. So if you got any pull, make sure they have a good beer special that night. Well, then 
But then again, having a hangover, having to drive t- 25, 26 hours back to Chicago. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but hey, like I said, you're you you know we, I've got three kids, and drive driving as much as it, it's awful is a lot cheaper and a lot easier than well, I don't know about easier than trying to fly with three children. I like the I like the freedom of having my own vehicle and stopping stopping at this restaurant or that bathroom, you know, with the kids. Like in that in my mind, driving is a lot better than flying. Yeah, I mean, well, it, like I said, I, we were talking about it before we started. Is I got a nine month old, and so we have two. We we have zero minivans to two minivans in our house, and um, when we got the second minivan, the newer one, it's. Oh, do you want the screens and all? It's like, yeah, no, we don't want any of that because then they'll want to watch the screens every day, and we don't want to. We didn't want to do that. So, my parenting, but we're gonna get screens for this trip. <laughs> they will have yeah. something they can watch for that trip. Go figure. You have to. You almost do. You really do. I mean, because there are parts of Missouri and Kansas and oh, Oklahoma, New now. Mexico. They're just. They're not exciting. So, the drive from uh, Amarillo to Albuquerque is one of the longest I think I've ever seen in my life, and it's straight. Yeah, and I don't know how else to explain it. It is incredible, straight for miles upon miles. And if anybody who's ever seen cars and you see like the drive they're taking, and it always that's seems exactly it. That's that. Oh, it 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 is. It's textbook that to what that is, and. And New Mexico seems to have cops at inopportune times. That's all I can recall about that. <laughs> Never got a ticket, but man, they seem like just like you get a good flow, and also, ah, there's another one slowing down again, or construction. <laughs> so, so sporting what is it? sporting Arizona, right? Sporting AZFC. AZ, that's right. FC. Okay, yep. sporting AZFC. Went to the UP, UPSL Final Four. How was, championship how was game. Championship game. Lost to lost to the Bavarians. And we were talking about earlier. I grew up playing against the Bavarians youth team, so it was, you know, they're they're Wisconsin. They are Wisconsin. They are amateur soccer legends. Let's face it, what it is. The Bavarians are truly that. Um, they had a good squad. The, that uh, playoffs experience. I think it's going to be revamped for this upcoming season, but. Um, I think most fans would agree that that was a war of attrition. Our guys played three games in 42 hours and, um, and big props to Clint Sanek and, and Kyle Porter are, uh, our strength guys had, uh, zero tissue injuries over the course of the weekend, but it's just tough to play that many games and then say definitively who the better team was. Yeah, I, I I can't argue that. I, the only reason why I, I would even begin to argue and say, well, the Bavarians were the better team is they were. I don't think they never lost. I don't think they lost all year. And you're doing something right when you're doing that. But um, you guys, our only loss before that was to Fresno in the Open Cup. That's not uh, right. And how did how'd you guys do against Phoenix Rising? Seeing we spent so much time talking about that, I I gotta let you get that one in. <laughs> Uh, we played a very entertaining 120 minutes against Phoenix Rising. It went to penalties. 
um, we got one more fortuitous bounce than they did, and um, we moved on. And I and the 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 gnashing of teeth was very very short lived among their fans, and I don't know what it was exactly, but we sporting gained a lot of crossover fans that night and i'm so grateful for the way that the the team handled it and everything it was a really great night overall for the sport in arizona i was i was very pleased with how it went and you know a lot of a lot of us are friends today and i and i and me being the u.s open cup geek than i am that'll have every screen in my, every computer screen open i think at one point last year i had three or four screens at one time I was watching four different games. And I, and I do remember that game specifically. And you'd think with, I mean, I'm a big fan of Phoenix rise, Phoenix rising. I, you'd think I'd be tight, but I'm like, Nope, Kyle's got sporting. I, I, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> it was just enough to be, to, to get that conflict going. Who do I cheer for here? You got Kyle with his underdogs and Phoenix rising. And to see the result, I, I, it, it was kind of cool, and then, um, but that, so so what so what's the future with 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 Sporting AZ? I mean, what do you guys got coming up this year? So this year we're gonna have the the UPSL schedule out sooner rather than later. I hope we've got a few more preseason matches up our sleeves, um, but we've got the the UPSL slate. We will not be in the Open Cup this year, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm a member of the, I have my share of Minneapolis city. So I get the, I get the, I get the open cup and the conflict within and how it's run and some of the, we'll just say not, I want to say regressive type of things that they're doing with it. I get it. So you, you don't have to say anything. I, I fully understand. (laughs) And I, and I, and I, understand it and i don't blame you i don't blame you and your and your team at all for doing that i really i don't know that we've gone through i don't know if we've gone through what city has but i appreciate the sentiment anyways um (laughs) we're going to i think you'll see us looking a lot more at youth and what we can do to to grow youth soccer in arizona even even beyond where it is right now um you know some I might. Got some things in the works to to get some youth teams out into some tournaments, work with the state association, just do whatever we can to to be kind of a a, a catalyst for what we'd like to see. Sure, and it, ironically enough, I was talking to the director of coaching of my son's youth team, and he was mentioning they're going to be out in Phoenix President's Day weekend for a college showcase. So <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know, if sporting will have teams in there, but my son's club will be out there. So I'm kind of ah, uh, you never know. It's a, uh, I mean, for golf and soccer and baseball, like we already talked about spring training, like the entire world seems to descend on, on Arizona in January and February. So, um, it's really, it's really a treat to see all the people who come to town. Like I love going to MLS, um, preseason games. Oh, that's gonna be. Got to see Sporting AZ play Sporting Kansas City this past Friday. Um, Just. That was wow! I didn't I didn't even catch that one on my radar. So just a closed door scrimmage, or yes, just a, a first 
a first run out for for both teams. Um, we put we put pretty much our our A team out there for sixty minutes, and they put on a they put on a pretty good show. Um, Kansas City had a couple of couple of really classy goals, and that ended up being the difference. But it was just a lot of fun, and I've always I've always enjoyed my interactions with the with KC organization, just cool people up there. Um, and it's great that they come to town just about every year now. So I get to see some of those people again and um, share some stories and you know, just learn a little bit more about the, about their operations and what's good on MLS side. And when you meet with when you meet with them, are there things you take away that you're like, Especially as you know, because sporting sporting Casey obviously they have their own youth academy and so on. Are there things you take away with like building your youth academy and your youth teams that way? Not me personally. Not me personally. Um, Tim Marchesoto, our owner and GM, he holds a lot of the you know the nitty gritty um, football operations stuff. Those conversations, I know that he's he's close with a lot of coaches around the country, especially in MLS. So that's really his arena what i what i try to glean from it is any other aspect of the operations um and media in particular so it's just it's neat to um, catch up with guys like patrick bergabo out there in, in kansas city um and you know just a lot of people from around the league who come into phoenix and tucson and this time of year it's it's a blast it it, it is and I, living out there it, it's a blast other than when you're driving. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that from well, living yeah. out there. And there's the snowbirds when they're out there. It's, it becomes scary at times <laughs> with people that I don't know what it is. They go south and they forget how to drive. It's, and it, it always cracked me up. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> kind of going back in the day, I'm like going, it get, traffic gets a lot worse and you get people who really don't know how to drive. And I don't know. So, I think it's made me a better driver, more defensive. Yeah, um, I don't know. I get I get laugh. My my wife laughs at me all the time when I drive. She calls me a wimp when I drive, and I kind of am. I just I just don't care. I don't typically need to be aggressive, and I don't swear when I drive. I don't do any of that. Any I don't do much of that. I shouldn't say none, but I found I don't really have to swear because they have my children in the back usually. But I found a middle finger works really well, so. I usually yeah. do the uh, I usually do the Dane Cook thing where you're like, um, hello. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. That's I what you say look. when somebody's when somebody. When, that's my version of road rage. Um, hello. Now, 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 Phoenix. We're going to talk about the roads a little bit because it makes me laugh. Uh, one of the things is they have the carpool lanes. Yes. And it's you got to have two people in it during certain hours of the day. Yes, I got to tell you. I got to have two people. My, and my older brother, my younger brother, and my older brother too. They both lived between off 107th and Northern. So, for those that don't know Phoenix, it's about 10 minutes west of where the Cardinal Stadium and Glendale Arena is. Just and just about first 10 minute. minutes east of California. Yeah, about that. You're still inside the mountains, though. But yeah, when they but moved out, not and quite. Just, thanks. No, but you just just south of just south of Sun City. I mean, and I'm talking just south of Sun City. Like go up to go up a stoplight and you're crossing into Sun City. Anyway, 
He used to work for. He used to work out in East. He used to work right by uh, Phoenix Municipal Stadium, and he would take his his now God. His my nephew's going to be sixteen this year. That's how how many years back this goes. He he'd drive to work and he'd be in the the carpool lane and. People will do some interesting things. I remember living out there. People would put mannequins in the front seats and whatever to try and get into the carpool lanes and just do a bit oh, yeah. of traffic. Oh, yeah. And he'd be he'd be driving along and he and he had a car seat in the back seat. Go figure, right? And he'd have a cop pull up pull up by him, and he'd always just go, "All right, hands up!" And his son would throw his hands up. The cop would look, start laughing, and just keep right on going. <laughs> and he goes, That's the way to do it. And he said, and he said, and it wasn't the first time, but he goes, it was like the sixth or seventh time I started catching on that they would pull up next to me looking for the second person, not seeing if you're just putting a car seat in just to get in the carpool lane. Like, I'm guessing people would leave the car seat empty just to try and use the carpool lanes. So you just go hands up, <laughs> so he throw his hands up and keep on going. So I'm the kind of person who gets caught. So I'm just, I don't care. Whatever. I'll just, I'll just leave 10 minutes earlier. Last time I got pulled over by an officer of the law, it was in it was in Mesa, actually. I was coming back from... I had just found out I was mobilizing, and the, my headquarters was in Mesa. It was six, the 6253 hospital. And they wanted me to come out and just do some paperwork. And on my way, way back, I got pulled over for tinted windows. The car uh, I bought, apparently... Yeah. The car I bought, and, I, and truly, and I, I bought it after my previous car was stolen, they... The the tinting was too dark. I didn't know anything of it. He gave me a we ticket. Have surprisingly strict laws about that here. He, he, well, one, it was funny. Would I would think that we could have them as dark as we want here, but no, they don't like it. Oh my! When I bought the car, I, I I didn't like them already because I'm like, I can barely see out of these in the evening. And the cop said, "I'm giving you a ticket. Get the tinting taken out. Take it to court. We'll take care of it." Outstanding. I I did, and they did, and that was that. Never didn't pay a fine for it. Just he, judge says, "Did you fix it?" I said, "Yes, sir." Which I actually had. I pulled it out. He goes, "All right, have a good day." Okay. So, so Phoenix Rising. All right. My last thought on this, and I want to throw this to you. And you, you had said you've you've been to stadiums with bigger crowds and so on and so forth. What's been the best? What What's the one you remember? What's the big crowd you? What's the best? What some of them you remember? A couple of the big ones you remember. My very first pro game ever was when I was studying in Costa Rica in college. Um, somebody said you guys have to go see Saprisa. So the first weekend I could go see a game. Saprisa was playing against. We we just called them Liga, but you know they're always in the Concacaf Champions League. It's mm-hmm. Liga Liga Deportiva Alajuelense or Alajuelense or Alajuelo or whatever you want to call them. But it was Saprissa versus Liga. It was their it was their Clasico, and Saprissa Stadium holds uh, 35,000, something like that. But the place was rocking and rolling. And before before kickoff even happened, I was like, "Yes, my life has changed forever." Um, so, you know, my wife can tell you that that's right then and there when I became a soccer nut. So that crowd was insane, and we have good tifos here sometimes. Like some of the you know, like Seattle and Portland have awesome TIFOs, but they had over their supporter section. I knew this was nuts because half of the 
you know, like at the time at least half of Costa Rica's national team was coming from Saprissa and the other half was coming from Liga. Um, and like their one exception was at the time was Paulo Wanchop, who was at Manchester City. But they just hated each other. When it was on club match day, they just hated each other with a passion. There's only 3 million people in the country, and they, call, they all come together for national team games. And so this blew my mind. They hate each other so badly for club games. But Saprissa wears purple, right? And so this TIFO came down, this single seamless banner that covered the entire supporters section and it said in Spanish, when I die, I hope they paint my body purple to match my heart. And I went, oh, these people are serious. <laughs> so wow. that was a, that was a, a seminal experience for me. And then um, a couple of years later, I saw the U.S. national team play Mexico here at Cardinals Stadium. I don't even know what they call it now. I'll just always call it Cardinal Stadium. I always call and... it. <laughs> I always call it U Pig, University of Phoenix in Glendale. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I don't think. I think. I think you're right. It changed names again, but it was yours. Whatever. Yeah, that one. The I was Swirl a big Jimmy Cactus. Conrad fan. Yeah, I was a big Jimmy Conrad fan, and I had a chance to see him score his only national team goal that day, so that was fun. I thought we were gonna. I thought my friends and I were gonna get beat up too because. Um, you know, there was like 10 of us there for the <laughs> rooting for the U S and it was a, it was another dose of Sarah, which I was happy about until I realized how angry all the fans around us were. And so it was, it was pretty tense walk to the car. Totally worth it. You know, and it, it's funny as I, I have also seen a U.S. Mexico Mexico game. I was at a, I was at Fort Sam Houston for training with the army and the U S was playing Mexico at uh the alamo dome oh okay and the grass was absolutely brutal it looked awful but my my compadres from us fan tv chris and pat both flew down for the game and so i met them down there and we found when they had already planned their trip and then they realized we realized i was going to be down there for school and we begged borrowed and um world soccer shop actually stepped up and got me a ticket that was pretty awesome it was absolutely hilarious and met them on the river walk drank Walked over, watched that game, and I want to say it was the Dose Cero final, but Chris and Pat would remember better than I did. But it was, but I don't remember the hostility in the atmosphere, and I think it was just because it was an April, an April friendly in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't any consequence. It was just, yeah, we're just, so, we're all just going to get drunk, and who cares tonight? Kind of, kind of moment. The only thing I learned out of that was San Antonio, downtown San Antonio seems to shut down about. 10 or 11 p.m. because we got downtown and I think the only thing open was Whataburger. A couple of bars, but if you wanted food, it was Whataburger and that was it. Even the McDonald's had closed by midnight. That sounds like Phoenix until about 15 years ago. That's true. I mean, and you're not even joking. I I used to work downtown. I worked at uh, the Wells Fargo building and watching that laser, the park with the laser turn into what it is now. (laughs) And then uh, uh, Patriots Park. Is that yep? Yeah, is that what that was called? I don't remember. What yeah, it I worked at the Wells Fargo Building too. Did you really? Wow, it is a small world, man. <laughs> it really is. Please tell me you weren't working for Sheriff Joe at that point. No, no, no. I saw him in the elevator all the time, though. Oh, so did I. He was he was an absolute schmuck in the elevator too. So, um, well, it was hard to see him behind the six bodyguards. Uh, well, there was that. Yeah, I I I worked on the. 
God, I think it was the 20. I was up near the top. And then when I came back from deployment, I was on another floor, I think. Yeah. It's a small world. <laughs> it was an back okay place the... to work. Plenty of lunch places, but yeah, everything closed after that. Yeah. I, well, and when I came back from deployment, there was a five guys across the street. And then. Yep. Didn't have to walk to Burger King anymore. Or what was the there's the pizza place that was on right down there, too, on Washington? Oh, um, Za. No, it wasn't that good of pizza. It was no some small little pizza place, and it was like two, I want to say it's Brooklyn Pizza or something like a BKLN Pizza or something like that. It was, it was, it was lunch pizza is what it was. <laughs> oh, then, no. <laughs> and then, um, what else was going on there? Yeah, there was... Interesting times. Like I said, that's always a flashback for me. So, all right. So, I expect big things. So, I'm going to tell you, I, I expect big things from Sporting AZ this year. I mean, is it a grudge match against the Bavarians when you get back to them? Or are you not, no, I don't not think looking so. that far ahead? Not looking that far ahead yet. I don't know. They've got to they've got to get to the final, too. Well, yeah. They haven't lost in a couple of years. I think they'll, they're confident, but yeah. Um, no, no, no grudge. They it was a it was a good match. It was um, it was difficult going down three nil, so you know emotions were running pretty high. But I don't um, I can't speak for all of the guys, but I think I think there's no uh, there's no ill will there. It was a good match, good coaching staff. Yeah, for whatever reason they seem to have it, and their tw- their Twitter game is pretty darn solid. I'll say that much. And that I feel like for smaller clubs, that's one of the things you got to have. You got to have a good Twitter game going to start. Oh, absolutely. And I, I took them on head head to head. Um, <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> that I remember. You you did. We had a fun little exchange the night before the final because um, because one of our one of our midfielders, Noel Castillo, is the brother of Edgar Castillo, who was playing for the the Rapids last year, and he. He actually had the game-winning assist across town because the, the tournament was in Denver. So he came to our Friday night match, and then Saturday he was playing, and so the Rapids won, and we won in the same night. And so we're like, you know, we're on Twitter sharing his highlights, and Bavarians was trying to hit me with like some, I don't know, one of their one of their heroes, I guess. I don't know, in my mind, it didn't stack up, and we let them know it. So uh, <laughs> it was just – it was a good time. Oh, it, it, <laughs> that whole tournament was – I mean, it, it was I, – I, I remember I was kind of – I was kind of surprised just the level of soccer. I was kind of like, this is actually pretty darn solid when it's – when it was all said and done. And I was – so – um. So what's the season hold? What what's the goals this season? And then just back to the finals. Is that what we're? Yeah, we want to we want to win the whole thing. And I believe the league they they announced it last year, but I I believe they're going to uh, regionalize the quarterfinals and the semifinals this time to make it um, make it easier on everybody's legs and the travel. Um, but that's that's definitely the goal. Yeah. I, um... Are you guys gonna have the game streaming so I can watch as many of them as possible this year? Is that in the oh, goal? Yeah. Is that in the works? We we streamed even this past season. We streamed almost everything on on my Kuju whenever we had the power to do so. 
Mike Kuju, I will say, for a soccer fan, for like somebody like me who's an absolute junkie, they seem to get every they if it's a game that's off the radar, they have it. And, oh, and absolute game changer. They're and they're they're super cool people. They get it. They're soccer people. Um they they sent two of their reps to the UPSL um national playoffs. So I got a chance to meet them, kind of put our heads together about what would work as far as some um, some partnership to help them help them raise us up and vice versa over the coming years and they're really sharp they've got a lot of great ideas and it's only going to get bigger and and what i remember with my kuju is one of the first other than i think they do the a lot of the earlier on open cup games is it, it was this past year was they did they were the ones behind doing streaming the oceana champions league so here i am watching games like out the middle of the South Pacific, and I, I God, I can't remember New Zealand and other places, and just be like, "Wow, this is <laughs> to be able to watch these games streaming." And it was that was my kuju that was the ones that were doing it. So that's pretty amazing stuff. That I'm glad you guys are partnered with them. So, um, Kyle, I can't thank you enough for the time, though. I do appreciate every minute of it. This has been a lot of fun. Um, any, you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Love having you on. Love talking soccer. So appreciate the time tonight. Oh, for sure. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. All right. So this is Kyle Kepner from Sporting AZ and many other media blog, media blog, webcast, you know, you, the original UPSL show. For those that are for smaller soccer, he's a legend in the community and everybody should follow him on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle so everybody can follow, follow you? I've got you. I just know he's Kyle, so I don't even I don't even bother anymore. <laughs> it's Kyle J. Kepner. Everybody should follow him. Give him a follow. So. Thanks for the time again, Kyle, and we'll do this again. You're too kind. Appreciate it. And and uh, and welcome back to the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod, the only soccer pod where the host will actually acknowledge to driving a minivan. I'm your host, TJ, and this is part of the U.S. Fan TV Network. This will be episode eight. Never thought I'd make it this far, but here we go with number eight and... We'll be off um, tonight. We're going to do a quick recap of Guernsey's win over Hayward's Heath Town. A quick recap of Roma still on the front foot as we move into 2019. We're going to try a new segment tonight um, where I do a five-minute dive or less, deep dive into something. And the reason why it's five minutes is... I was sitting in church once, and the priest said, he had a homiletics professor that said, your homily has to be less five minutes or less, or you're going to lose the audience. So, and he did his homily, he said, in less than five minutes. Not really sure, really wasn't paying attention, but his whole premise was, after five minutes, you lose your audience. So, so the new segment is going to be my homily, for lack of a better term. It's going to be a subject that I want to talk about. It's going to be five minutes or less. And then I'm going to move into my my drink at a bar, my bar, Skype bar. And that became an interesting story, and this is why I'm recording as late as I am. I had a guest lined up, and we were going to record Sunday night. Sunday night, I get a message from him. Hey, I can't do it. I'm going to take my kids to the movie theater. Hey, life happens. And he wasn't available Monday. So I reach out to somebody to fill in on Monday. Ah, man, can I do a Tuesday? Eh, not ideal, but sure, whatever. Get a, te- get a text Tuesday. Can't do it, still sick. Turns out he was sick. 
So then I've got nobody. And Tuesday night, and so I'm like, all right, I'll sit down and record myself. And when I sat down to record, lo and behold, part of the minivan dad soccer pod is the fact that I'm a dad. And my nine-month-old decided she was not comfortable anymore and was going to be wake up. So she woke up, so I had to tend to that, and then which woke up her sister, and then so my wife tended to that, and that went that was about midnight, and there went there went that. And it turns out I did have a guest lined up for Tuesday night. I had reached out to a friend, which is Kyle Kep- Kepner, who is going to be my guest tonight. Sent him a message, hey, can you fill in at the last minute? I've wanted to have Kyle on the show. I just wanted to wait till we got closer to the USL season because when it comes to USL, he's one of the subject matter experts. Missed his reply. He apparently replied, yeah, sure, no problem. Can we do it later? Which works perfectly for me. But I missed that. So I was getting ready to do the show on my own, and turns out I had Kyle available the whole time. And so I reached out to him again today and said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And he, of course, Kyle being Kyle, was incredibly generous with this time. So this week's guest is from Sporting AZ, the UPSL runners-up from last year to the Bavarians, uh, Director of Soccer Operations, Kyle Kepner. He is an amazing guy and that is an incredibly fun conversation so let's get started with this week's show and we're going to just do instead of going into details and the guts and everything of the games with Guernsey I'm going to talk about Guernsey because it is one of my favorite teams and they're one of the few one of my few favorites that are playing right now so but I'm just going to keep it to a quick game recap overview and then a couple of points that I think are relevant from the game or a couple of takeaways that I have. We'll say three takeaways or less. So Guernsey go on the road because they're on the road the entire month of January. Actually, I think it's their last match. I think they're off this coming weekend and don't play again until February where they have another game on the road. Go to Hayward's Heath Town and Hayward's Heath Town is fighting for a playoff spot while Guernsey has been trying to just stay well above the drop zone. Guernsey steps in and steals a 2-1 to win in front of 131 fans. Two goals from Thomas Dodds in the second half bumps him up to 13th in the table. So, like I said, a couple of takeaways from the game. The The first one is, and it was pointed out during the cast, the broadcast, and for those who don't, and I'm guessing most people who listen to this, don't sub- subscribe to GFC TV, I think everybody should. And I think it's because they do an amazing job. It's Ollie Tracy with one camera. He does it professionally. It looks amazing. They Sometimes they have to bring in guest commentators. Sometimes they have the GFC commentator. And it's awesome stuff. It really is. It's like 10 bucks a month or something. I strongly recommend it for everybody just because for those who like lower level soccer, lower division soccer, you get to see some places you don't get to see. But anyway... Back on point is they these are games that I've watched over the past two seasons as this young core that they have has started improving. These are games they would lose. These are games they weren't competitive in. They might be competitive for a while and then they lose three nothing, three to one. Maybe they get a consolation, so three to one, maybe four to nothing. And when they'd start getting tired, five you know, for when the, with these top teams. This year that's not the case. And especially on the road where they have traditionally struggled. I mean, the flight in from Guernsey to to the United to England, not an easy trip. 
But yeah, here they are. They get these are games they are competitive in. They're getting draws in. They're winning. I believe their last loss was sometime in November. So it's kind of awesome stuff. The second takeaway is, I think it's the first or maybe the second time this season. This is my the uniform geek in me. And if you like, I said I've talked about it before. I have a huge, extensive jersey collection. I consider myself a uniform snob. Guernsey wore the jersey combination that I think might be their best one yet. They had their their home green shirts. They wore green shorts and white socks. And when they're at home, they usually wear white socks, and white shorts, and green socks. So flip that around. But it, it's an incredible look, and I think it's one they should utilize more often, especially as often as they can on the road. So that's just that's the uniform geek in me. And then third, and certainly not least, Cal Stanton. Cal Cal Stanton was back this week after. Missing a week and be and having um, Tom Letizia fill in wonderfully. Cal Stanton, I've talked about him before on the show, is an amazing goalkeeper. I've watched I'm a goal, an ex goalkeeper, a five foot nine goalkeeper, so who's played enough soccer, and I feel like if somebody can get the Cal Stanton, I love him playing for Guernsey. He should be doing something greater. If I'm a USL one team, if I'm a USL team. You should be subscribing to to GFC TV and taking a look at this kid. And I'm not saying just... You can go back and watch the highlight packages. You're going to see some amazing saves. But you need to watch the entire games because what Cal Stanton can do is he manages the game. He manages the flow of the game. He knows how to take the air out of the game without being too obvious about it. His positioning is usually top flight. And he's... 20, maybe 21 years old at most. He came up through Bournemouth, so he's got some great training. He makes great saves, but it's every other part of the game. It's the mental part of the game. I think he is wise beyond his years, and if I'm a, like I said, if I'm a USL side, if I'm a USL 1 side, if I'm an MLS team, I'm subscribing to take a look at this kid. This kid is for real, I think. And for those who know me, I used to write for OTF Soccer, and when I was writing for OTF Soccer, I was always critical of Sean Johnson. And, and this is one of the things as a goalkeeper I can talk. I I feel like I, I can talk about goalkeepers. You have to be able to be a great shot stopper, or you have to be your positioning has to be phenomenal with your defense's positioning being phenomenal, that you help set up to make sure you're in the best position to make saves. And when you get both. That's when you get greatness. And I've always compared the difference between Casey Keller, who was one of the most amazing shot stoppers the United States has ever produced, versus Brad Friedel. Brad Friedel is a great shot stopper, but Brad Friedel had the mental aspect of the game down to such a science, which is why he's with New England now. But these are the things that, as a goalkeeper, I feel are, are, are almost a lost art. And... For me, watching Cal Stanton play, I not only watch him make great save after great save, but it's how many saves that he makes look easy that may not always be easy, but his positioning is good. His defense is in the right spot, and each year it seems like he's got that defense better positioned. This defense is young and needs help, and he has them where he needs them, and that's why I think... So long story short, I like I said, if if I'm somebody over here, I'm taking a look at this kid because this kid is a phenomenal goalkeeper, and I absolutely think um, he's worth a look, and I would definitely consider bringing him over because he will make your team proud. 
So the other team I talk about on the show, Roma. Roma after their their victory, three to two over Torino, home victory. They are still undefeated in 2019. I think that's four games in a row that they've won. Um, this one they were had a a goal from El Sharawi late for the winner. And man, that's a guy I remember him with Milan coming up years ago and. I thought he was going to be the next most amazing thing. At 18 with Milan, he was scoring everything and got injured, I believe, and then kind of fell off, came back with, you know, and then he came back with Monaco, and now he's with Roma. So it's, uh, you know, and Harry Doyle in Major League Two talks about Parkman, and it's amazing what a change in uniform can do to your, can change your opinion of a guy. And that's the truth with El Sharawi is, yeah, now I like watching him play because he's, with with Roma, which is a team I am becoming a bigger fan of every week. And to be honest, with all disclosure, did I get to watch the game? No, I didn't really. I watched the highlights, not going to lie about it. Because part of being a dad is you have to watch your son's basketball games, especially his first one, so I went to watch that. And actually missed most of that when my daughter threw up. So that's too much information, so we'll move on from there. And like I said, my homily this week is... It goes back to a tweet I saw a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm going to read the tweet directly. It's from Sean Reynolds. It's And it's, what do you call it when a kid can't afford to play club? Or plays at a small club in the middle of nowhere, and their parents can't afford to get them good exposure. The kid is better than three-fourths of the kids who have it easy and works harder than them. What do you call that? And I replied back and I said, I call it fantasy land or not realistic. And his response was, and the response from, from Mr. Reynolds was, well, tell me more. And I didn't want to go into it on Twitter because you're limited by space, but I did want to talk about it. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. And I feel like I'm talking about a couple of, and I have a couple of references to go off of that. One is in my own personal life. My older brother... He was quite the soccer player back in the day. You know, and this goes back to the early to mid-90s, the early 90s. Faster than a hiccup. I mean, what made him always amazing to me was, you know, you talk about, then they talk about in sports, talk about Jerry Rice and football speed and how fast he was on the field. Well, my older brother was that way with the soccer ball. He got the ball on his feet and he seemed like he was accelerating. Like, you thought you had him and he was just as fast with the ball. Broke his leg his junior year. And senior year, because and it broke it, like, fractured fractured the tibia, or clean break in the tibia, and two fractures in the, fibula, in the fibula. And so junior year, first game of the year, lost for the year. Senior year, by the end, he was finally getting back up to full speed, and was it was amazing to watch. I was not sitting on the bench the entire year, so I got to see a lot of it. My point, as, a, as I go into this, is he had Duke University looking at him. They wanted him to go to his camp. And they want, and he's like, and you know I broke my leg last year. He's like, yeah, we know. We want you to come to our camp. We want to have a look at you. We want to bring you in. It never worked out. But my, my point is, this is a, somebody who didn't play their junior year, didn't play senior year, played club for the local community club team that my parents helped found. And I don't think exists to this day. If you're a good player, 
they find you. This is we're talking about Duke University down in Durham, North Carolina. This is we're talking about somebody who played on the regional team. I think maybe got a sniff with the ODP team, but didn't make the ODP team because he was told he had to try out more than once, or he had to be on it the year before, or something like that. He was one of the best players I can remember, especially with his speed as a forward, and he played until he was in his 40s. It was kind of fun to watch. And But a great player gets found. He, he worked. He had, Somehow he got looked at. Which brings me up to this day, and this is why I still think it's fantasy, is that I was talking to the head of coaching of my son's club local community team. I'm not going to disclose who it is at this point, but those who know me, I've talked, I probably have mentioned on US Fan TV, but if I haven't, then we'll leave it anonymous for now until I talk to the head of coaching and say, hey, can I use your name on the show too? I can, but until he gives me the go ahead, I'm not going to. We were, we were talking about this the other day. And what he said, and I've recalled this from before even my son played for him, I got called from my referee assigner said, hey, can you go out and work a friendly? This head of coaching, he, he wants, hey, can you come out and work his work a game for him? They're doing a friendly. It's straight cash. It's a U16 or U17 girls game. Basically, what was going on is one of the teams was getting ready for State Cup. They hadn't played in a couple weeks. And his team was getting ready to go to a soccer showcase down, at, down in Indiana, outside of Indianapolis at the huge soccer complex. And... But my point is that good club, uh, even small clubs, have avenues to get people seen. And if you're good enough, other teams remember you. You know, when I, in high school we were in a conference originally that had nobody in it except for Cudahy. Greendale was usually okay, or it was Greenfield one of the greens, but we had Cudahy, and that was the Provans, Josh Provan, you know, Simon Provan. You knew the Provans. If they're a good player, you know who they are. Josh Provan went on to feature at Madison. I think he played for the Milwaukee Way for a bunch of years. Good players get found. And I mentioned this to this head of coaching, and he and his reply to me was, yeah. In the, in the years of this club, and I think the club's been around maybe less than 10 years, they've had 30 people, 30 players, go on to play college soccer. Now, in soccer Twitter universe, that, that could be an evil thing because, you know, you're not good enough to go on and play in the pros or whatever, and, um, you know, you're not Josh Sargent or whatever. 30 players on this small club that might have, that has one cl- one team, maybe two sometimes, but usually just one per age. 30 players so far in less than 10 years play college ball. He gets them to showcases. If you're a good enough player and you're playing with a small club, other teams recognize who you are. They remember you. These get stated to at conventions. They get stated, hey, did you see this kid? There we're seeing we're in a year of YouTube. Games get seen. They're on Facebook. Good players don't get missed anymore. So that said, I think I went more than five minutes. So at this point we're gonna wrap that up and we're gonna move on to my conversation this evening, which is with like I said, it's with Sporting AZ's Director of Soccer Operations, Kyle Kepner. Kyle Kepner is a great guy for jumping in at the last minute. He's a great guy, period. He's been a friend of mine on Twitter for a long time. He kind of showed me the ropes as to what some, some of the media is out there with this time. Um, 
with the USL show and you know in the USL show the original version of it with with him it was one of my favorite things to use when I was running and in shape which I'm not now but Kyle jumped in at the last minute we talked soccer we talked sporting um AZ and their UPSL playoff run last year losing to the Bavarians in the final we talked a lot about Phoenix Rising and what we think of their future he had some good funnies in the beginning but I think this is this will be one of my more favorite conversations especially seeing he jumped in at the last minute so I can't thank Kyle enough um so here it is my my bar talk conversation with Kyle Kepner from Sporting AZ and again that was Kyle Kepner from Sporting AZ and thanks again to Kyle for filling in at the last minute and hopefully like I said uh, during the show during the the conversation that I'll get to have him on again because he it was a lot of fun to talk to Kyle so again and for those who didn't catch it in the beginning this week's theme song we went back into the into the vault a little bit and found Hill Street Blues from Mike Post back in 1981 that was the theme song I can recall as a kid going to bed and because you know bedtime was before nine and sitting in bed trying to fall asleep and hearing the theme for Hill Street Blues. There are like five or six shows that I can tell you by their theme song what show it was because that's what my parents watched after they sent us to bed. So this week's opening was Hill Street Blues from Mike Post from 1981. It is available on iTunes for those who are interested. And for those who are still hanging on, thanks for for listening. I do appreciate it. I've noticed my listeners, our number of listens... I guess, for lack of a better term, are going up, and I appreciate that. Um, since I've had a guest, my four most listened to shows are the ones I've had with so far with Pat, with Chris, or three, I guess, with Pat, Chris, and Ben. So hopefully this one will rank right up there, even though it's a day late. Hopefully it's not a dollar short, and hopefully you aren't tired of listening to me ramble, but this is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. It can be reached at Minivan Dad Pod. Or if you want to reach me, I can be found at, at TJ Zaremba. If you got questions, comments, concerns, think you want to be a guest, I'd be more than happy. I love talking soccer with anybody. If you got something you think you that you want to talk about and think can be fun to do, reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to probably have you on at some point because, like I said, this is a show about enjoying soccer and talking soccer with some great people. So for those, and maybe I'll learn some things about soccer or you'll learn some things from me. But again, this is Mini Van Dad Soccer Pod. Thanks everybody for listening, and hopefully next week will be more on schedule. Thank you.